Coming up, we're picking up good vibrations around one Ben Simmons as we get an update around his health, around the potential of his role heading into this upcoming season, and the general understanding that this organization, starting with Mikhail Bridges, is fully behind the return of Ben Simmons to form. We break it all down coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets. Every single day over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrick breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast with my boy, Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day absolutely free on all those great platforms. And Doug... It's Ben Simmons season, the off season, when we get excited about potentially Ben Simmons finally being healthy, finally being back on the court. And we have a pretty specific, pretty direct quote that suggests this could be the time to get excited about Ben Simmons in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Oh, baby, the irrational hype train is running down the track in a way that I like. I'm in, I'm here for it. I've already hopped on board, and we know how this ends. I'm ready to be heard again by Ben Simmons because <laughs> this uh, to the scene of the crash. <laughs> this this offseason, if look from a narrative perspective, this offseason is going. If you're a Nets fan, exactly the way you want it to. It's all narrative, so it's until it's on the court. Uh, we have to probably pump the brakes a little bit. But what you're hearing about this offseason when it comes to Simmons both from sort of like a health impact and just the overall team perspective in, on an individual player level, it's been really positive in a way that feels so, so different than even just one year ago when it was been mostly radio silence. The latest, latest thing uh, was uh, Mark Spears uh, on ESPN. He said, uh, I'll just quote, he said he heard it from someone in Simmons's camp. He's as healthy as he's ever been since his final year in Philly. Uh, the, and he's been, I'm now paraphrasing. He's hit all the benchmarks uh, and the plan is for him to be the Nets point guard and primary ball handler this upcoming season. So like a really, really positive health update, a positive sort of rotational update on him. Yes, it's coming from the team, Team Simmons. So we take all this with a grain <laughs> of salt. But when you combine this with some of the stuff we heard from Mikhail Bridges, some of the stuff we heard from Spencer Dinwiddie and some of these other guys this offseason, this is you can't ask to hear anything better. And I think sometimes even for Simmons, that counts. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too. And I agree with you, right? Like this is the uh, the the only way. And it is funny because we're only what a couple of weeks removed from maybe playing with Team Australia and that doesn't quite work out. But even then, at that time, the, the sense was he's close. Okay, not close enough, right? Is he going to be able to maybe give us a sample size here as Nets fans that he's physically ready to be back on the court? But this is the only thing that you can want to hear for a player that's now going to be what two, you know, a full year, two years removed from everything that went on in Philadelphia every concern around the back. And I think specifically when it comes to the injury side of it, that's why maybe, maybe me holding onto the hype train, the grip is a little bit tighter now because we did talk about this throughout the timeline that there is just a world where you need X amount of months away 
before you can actually get back there. And that doesn't mean no physical activity. It doesn't mean not playing basketball, but until you get your legs fully back underneath you, until the explosiveness is there. And then there's the other side of the game, which is true for any athlete that comes back from injury of just being instinctual when you're on the court, something that we dissected a million times over every time that Ben was on the court because it'd be four minutes of beauty and then eight minutes of, boy, it looks like this guy might never be able to play basketball at that high level again. So it's incredibly positive for me. Now it just comes down to how much do you believe that it's going to be true? Like, do you, do you really think that when we get to, as we talk about expectations now, role, rotation, all these things when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets, do you believe that this is like the first breadcrumb of positivity that ultimately ends, the trail ends, game one, opening night, Ben Simmons playing for the Brooklyn Nets? Okay, so uh, on the one, okay, so for just from a medical perspective, we talked about this multiple times on the podcast that the specific uh, procedure that he had, the microdisectomy, has around an 18 month uh, timeline of full recovery, right? So he's still within that 18 months from when he originally had it. That's May 2022 is when he originally had it. So he's still, you know, that's 14 months, give or take. And mm-hmm. so it's coming up on 15 months. So he's around the start of the season would put him on track for like around that timeline. Michael Porter Jr. had the same had the same uh, thing. And we saw that it took him, you know, roughly the same time to get back into it. I do think there's other considerations when you factor in Simmons, just be based on sort of some non back related stuff that went on in with him in Philly that definitely counts on the resume for him. So mm-hmm. I think everyone needs to, again, like probably pump the brakes a little bit in terms of like, Hey, is he going to be back like 2019, 2020 Ben Simmons out of the gate? I, I don't think that's realistic, but on the same token, when you combine the timeline of injury recovery plus the narrative that's coming out of not just Camp Simmons, the Spears thing, I think, is from like the agent or whatever, right? Yeah, like yeah. that's okay, that's fine. Like th- this is what happens in the NBA. Everyone writes their own narrative or tries to. The part where the players do not have to do this and are freely speaking about him as like a teammate he's our guy he looks great you know like um, we're hearing from every day he's the leader of the group chat blah 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 that stuff i actually think for him does count because Mm -hmm. we did like multiple episodes about i mean or just factoring it in we're like no one ever talks about this guy like none of the other guys for years like ever talked good or bad he just wasn't mentioned he was part of the team when they came up and I just think that like that narrative shift really does count for him in a way that I'm sure some people out there be like, oh, you know, you're letting this happen again to you. And like, he's just going to disappoint you. Ah, Maybe, but there's what there's no denying. There's no denying that the tone here is different than it has been since he's been with the Nets. Right. Like, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any case against it. Like this is just very, very different. You and I follow this as closely as you possibly can when it comes to quotes and players and this stuff. And this is just definitively different. Yeah. And I want to provide a little bit of that contrast of what it does look like now relative to the previous iteration of this team. But just to your point about specifically with Ben Simmons and, and by the way, any player you said about don't get, you know, getting sucked into it, whether or not at the highest level you know, of athletics, you should be, you know, impervious to people that doubt you or don't think you're capable of or aren't supportive of you. Maybe you should be, right? Because there's only, what, a finite percentage of human beings that can do what you do at this level. Also, though, Ben Simmons, and this this is not a knock or a negative, Ben Simmons seems like a guy that could use that boost, that could use the, the, the sentiment from those around him 
that we think you're going to get there, that we believe in you, that you can be a big part of this team. And whether or not you think he should need that, some people do. Some personalities have that in them. And by the way, maybe arguably the best benefit to that is that it means you can build him up. Like you can build up his confidence. It's not solely predicated on whether or not the health benchmarks are being passed for him or whether or not he feels like he could go out on the court and play basketball. It actually is about having dudes on your team be like, yeah, we can't wait. We're excited. We believe that he can get back to that form. Coming up here in a second, we'll highlight not only what it felt like maybe, I don't know, six, eight months ago for Ben Simmons as a Brooklyn Net and where he fits in potentially with this rotation going into the season. All right, before we get to that, take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel. You can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets. That's up to $200. You heard that number, right? All you got to do is bet 20 bucks, and you can land $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose, it's 200 You can spend betting everything from MLB Moneyline, the over-under, who you think is going to hit the first home run. They got strikeout props in there. They can slice and dice this thing any way you can think of when it comes to baseball and really every other sport as well. FanDuel has got you completely covered along the betting gamut, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. I know people love to hear that. No better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Okay, so as we're talking about the potential, the, the seeming indication that Ben Simmons is building towards being ready for the upcoming season and being fully healthy for the upcoming season, which is a stark contrast to anything we've seen from him as a Brooklyn net. The one note I'll make here before we, I do want to contrast where things were in the superstar era of Brooklyn for Ben Simmons, but also Mikhail Bridges. I thought one of his best comments on the uh, Paul George podcast was when he was saying, you know, we're supportive of him paraphrasing. We want him to be out there. We want to be hooping. We want, to take we want to take a ton of shots we want to miss a ton of shots and then keep taking shots like it's cool it's all right if you f up like just keep grinding just keep going one of the side i think notes of this ben simmons situation of the nets offseason is that mikhail bridges as a as a personality and as a profile is growing obviously because he's the face of this franchise now for the nets and it's been like just Five-star review, five-star review, five-star review. Like he's doing every everything perfectly, including supporting your teammates. And when we think back to the way this was, and by the way, this is not to throw the previous iteration of this team under the bus. Remember, Ben Simmons was not the first version of what the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving team was supposed to be. This was, they went for James Harden. It didn't work out. They had to make a deal. They thought Ben Simmons could fit in this piece. Now you have two superstars. They want to win. You need to be a part of this. You're not physically ready. WTF, right? Like there's going to be a pressure that mounts there. And early on, not to be long-winded, Kyrie, I remember when Ben went back to Philadelphia and he was getting booed, Kyrie gave the quote, hey, he's like, he's our brother. We're not going to let people you know, gang up on him. We want him to know we're in his corner. We're here to support him. So there was that support, but the reality of what was going on inside that season for individual players, for the organization, for Ben Simmons. I just, even then you and I discussed like, is this truly support or is this like support yeah. with the caveat? Cause you're going to get it together. Right, buddy. Cause you're going to do this for us. Otherwise this goes off the rails. 
And even if it wasn't support, we can look back and retroactively look back on this whole situation and know it's like, what even was it a good environment for like an uplifting situation for everybody? There's just it just wasn't like, right, you know, right, you got right. th there was just controversy. There's the there's the part where the Kevin Durant trade thing is looming over him. There's the Kyrie piece where he has to sit out games. I mean, there's like, yep. you know, there's so many different other narrative things that went on through this that timeline of the Nets that like it's not Simmons related, but it wasn't like everything was, you know you know, candy and streamers over there. It, it was just the, the thing. And it obviously came crashing down to a definitive end. But go by ahead. the way, just real quick, do you remember? Do you remember media day from last year? Like, think about we went nuts. And we made a bunch. Year. I mean, I mean, we made it. We, we went out nuts and made, made a bunch of Ben Simmons bets uh, based on it. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of drinking the Kool-Aid. But it, and it was everybody, though. Remember, like Kyrie came in. He was like, good to see you, fellas. Love everybody. We're going to have some good times this year, aren't we? Ben Simmons was like, I'm on it, guys. We are good to go. It was like championship. Oh, it was like Ben Simmons to lead the league in assists. Kyrie Irving, this lead, oh, scoring good, good. leader. I mean, I had a bunch of go. But I don't want to go back and look at the roles. But like there was a. Uh, multiple things that came out of that and so if we're trying to temper our excitement here we probably should go back and look at sort of what we did you know not even a year ago based on based on narrative also but yeah but i think the situations are definitely different and one specific situation that we and this will kind of lead into the nets rotation piece of this like what this looks like for them is that like the expect i think what's important for simmons too to some degree and maybe for all these guys is that the expectation levels have definitely leveled and changed um this year compared to where we were last year last year it was sort of championship or bust right like you have Kevin Durant you have Kyrie Irving this team is built to win championships and that's the expectation it's just not the expectation mm -hmm. now now it's uh we're growing we got a little younger let's see what we have there's probably some moves coming in the future this is going to be a stopover year I think for Simmons specifically like that's important and by the way like Everyone's kind of just forgot about him too. I think he's just like not part of the NBA. I think the I think expectations on him are so low from just like the general yeah. NBA landscape that there's kind of nowhere to go but up. And I think that for him specifically, I think that just helps, <laughs> right? Like I think it just helps to not have those other pieces need to all come together in this perfect situation because that's just not where the Nets are as a team right now. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because you could make a very strong case that regardless of health, you know, say if Ben Simmons was 100% healthy at the time of the trade, arguably coming to a team like that version of Brooklyn was the worst case scenario, right? Like, yeah. you are bottoming out in terms of opinions in Philadelphia. Nobody thinks that you can do it. You're, you're shying away from the big moments. You don't fit in with these pieces, X, Y, and Z. And then you go right into another high-pressure situation where expectations are championships, right? Like, And you can think about a lot of examples of players like this throughout, throughout the NBA where it's like sometimes going to a place, to your point, where like, no pressure, come in, acclimate for this season, and then we'll see where we are in the offseason and see how things are looking, right? There wasn't an opportunity for that. It was immediately, well, what can he be? What can the impact be? Can he replace what the Nets thought they had with him was James Harden? How can we make sure that they still get back to the playoffs? He needs to be an all-NBA defensive player again, right? Like everything became, and we were a part of that because we were looking at it through the lens of championships. It was, boy, if Ben Simmons isn't, by the way, if he's not going to be this, if he's not going to be that, if he can't do this, if he can't do that, then the Nets are not going to be a championship level team, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. while those are fair criticisms of his game, it it's pretty brutal to have it be the only thing we're going to talk about is what you're not doing enough of because what you are doing will never meet expectations of what we need. Right. 
And, and by the way, when you sign that contract, that's what you, that's one of the, when you sign the huge right. contract, that is part of the deal. Part. So I, I think all the expectations on him were founded at that time. When you sign up for that money and you take the deal, part of the, part of the agreement here, the tacit agreement is you're going to be among the best players in the league. And when yep. you are not, everyone's going to be able to hold out, reserve the right to sort of be disappointed with it. That's just, that's part of earning $35 million a year in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. That's just it. Like, I don't make the rules on that. That's just what it is. And so I, I agree with you that, like, I think all those expectations were also warranted. Like, no one should let him off the hook. And he had yeah. injuries and there was mental health stuff and there was a bunch of other stuff going on. So I, I do. I think that, like, on a, a on a high level, I think I don't think he got treated, like, unfairly by any means. I just think that now no. the situation now the situation is different. And I think that the context has completely changed. So and I think for him for better or for worse, like that's just going to probably help. Even though I don't, I would never go back and say like, Oh man, he got a bum rap. He didn't get a bum rap. He like everything happened and their expectations are high. When you make that amount of money, if you, if you stink and you make $35 million a year, your team cannot make up for it. You, there's no, there's, yeah. that's it. There's a, the math doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's, there's no fixing it with like, you know what? Maybe a veteran minimum could go ahead and make up the difference of production here from this no player. Way. No Before way. we do get into this, the, the rotation where we think he fits in the impact. Cause there's actually a couple of, of key players inside the roster guys that we've talked about um in the last couple of weeks that actually matter in this in a big way. Just to remind everybody, like for whatever he was not, which is, you know, not nearly enough shooting, obviously getting at the basket, finishing at the rim, just being aggressive in those types of things, you know, seven points that's the big difference coming over to Brooklyn obviously after being a double digit mid-teen scorer his entire career that's the big difference there the assist numbers stayed right where they had been six plus right could have been a little bit higher to a little bit of a drop off there the rebounds took a little bit of a drop off there but again remember this is a guy that's playing closer to the mid-20s on average we talk about this with a lot of players for the Nets that that weren't actually on the court every single night for 20 plus minutes it just aggregated into that the, the numbers to me, and I, this is just a good jumping off point for, for what we'll talk about in the closeout segment, like I don't have to squint hard and see that he can he, he's not far away from being a version of that player. Now, the eye test tells you the aggressiveness wasn't there, right? And the, some of the decision-making wasn't there. He was a step slow defensively, which there's some rust to knock off there around the injury. But I do think it's funny that after all this dust settles and you do take a look at like the raw numbers, you go... Hey, like it's not like this dude fell off a cliff. The offensive production needs to improve. But I, and I think I've always been at least a little bit optimistic that once he's healthy, it shouldn't be a big leap for him to get back to close to where he once was as an NBA talent. Yeah, look, and uh, the you know the usage numbers aren't going to help him, and he certainly did not pass the eye test at times. Right. So uh, I think that the, those are all fair criticisms too. But if he's going to return to even like some semblance of what he can be like this is going to impact the Nets rotation and actually this team is sort of built I would say sort of close to perfectly with consider all with considering what they were able to do with who they have sort of surrounding him uh and we'll talk about that next like what this Nets rotation could look like because there was some definitive word about his role in it Okay, so now the big question becomes, as we're talking about Ben Simmons and the general just positive explosion of conversation around him, the team is supporting Mikhail Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, the organization. You're hearing from his camp that he's he's right there. He's on track to be healthy and ready to go. What does it mean for the Brooklyn Nets team when you go in and look at this rotation? Remember, from his camp, as we mentioned at the top, 
all indications are the Nets want him to be the starting point guard for the Brooklyn Nets yeah. coming into this season. Let's operate on that premise. I think you and I both agree, but I'll let you answer first. What what happens to Spencer Dinwiddie in this backcourt if Ben Simmons is the starting point guard game one? He's the two guard or he's the off guard or whatever. He's the you know yeah. nominal point point guard one and point guard one a and you, you just kind of figure out i think we've agreed that for some to some degree that nba has become increasingly positionless um some people still want to see the order written correctly when you put out five man lineups <laughs> so I, I kind of get that but um and they get really mad if you if you swap two guys around even though it doesn't matter but i think that what we've seen from dinwiddie you know if you look back and luca is not a comp here but we would could also for Simmons for sure. So I'm not making that, but Dinwiddie's role in Dallas was like a little bit more off guard because Luca was the offensive engine there. And I mean, Dinwiddie had his best season from two best seasons by far efficiency wise. I mean, it's like combined, it kind of combines the one season when you look at all the games It's like 60, yeah, 76 total games. But during that time, 16 points, 40, 40 plus percent on three point shooting, easily the best of his career, right? Like, and we saw those numbers sort of tank when he was having to be on the ball all the time for the Nets sort of running their running pick and roll and trying to get to the basket. Like all the Nets, the, the things that Nets fans will and we will bring up as criticisms of Dimity's game or maybe like slight holes are sort of solved by Simmons being able to take over like another lead ball dominant guard kind of thing. Again, he's not the mm-hmm. same as Luka, so it's not exactly the same. But if you look at a start, if you looked at a starting lineup of Simmons, Dinwiddie, McHale, Cam Johnson, Nick Laxton, like Dinwiddie fits in that role fine, yeah, right. And be, and we yeah. have something of a comp coming out of his time in Dallas. Not to mention the other guys around him. And I guess we can talk about the Claxton fit. But like, does that make sense? Like the Dinwiddie piece, I think, good. We've seen it. He can yeah. sort of thrive in. He can sort of thrive in a role like that already. And that's why we both agree on it because I think that the the first the first leap that fans might take is to say, well, now Spencer Dinwiddie goes to the bench because he was playing in this role. And then you want to know, like, I actually think you get him back to what is a little bit more of a pure role. And by the way, you also get excited about the fact that when asked, asked to do it, he was at career, you know, right. He was hitting top numbers in the NBA from an assist standpoint, which can be benefited by having a long athletic, get out and run the floor kind of guy in Ben Simmons, right? And, and potentially could be a nice double down benefit um, for Ben Simmons in that transition game of saying, hey, like, just, you know, whatever Spencer Dinwiddie is not, he's at least a, a solid basketball player, solid decision maker. I think his mistakes or errors are always going to be there, but that's relative to the talent you're playing with and relative to the expectations. He talked about it in the offseason saying, yeah, I know I got to improve on my ability to knock down shots off the dribble, right? I need to be able to hit down the catch-and-shoot threes when called upon. So he knows that his role as a veteran on this team is going to evolve as well. The other benefit to me, too, just quickly before, I, I'm, this is a footnote, but knowing that the Nets brought in Dennis Smith Jr., knowing that the expectation is he's going to have a prominent role here, I actually think that if you say Ben Simmons is going to be your starting, again, label and point guard, that Dennis Smith Jr. actually becomes the perfect player to be bringing in off the bench with with having Spencer Dinwiddie at the two guard, right? You take out Ben Simmons, you bring in a guy who is facilitator-based, wants to set the table for everybody. These guys couldn't be any polar opposite in terms of measurables, but the functionality in the offense will be the same. That's just a good footnote, but I, I know and, we want to get to Claxton and someone else. Go ahead, though. 
Well, and also, like, it, probably, you know, we talked about, too, just to go back to our previous episode, it, it helps Cam Thomas as well, right? Because, like, uh, that, that, that was where I was, yeah, Cam, I know we were going to get to that, yeah. The Simmons fit, and I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it because we specifically talked about, at length about this, yeah. and so just go back and listen to the Cam Thomas-centric episode because we, we spent a long time on this this very thing where it was like, you know, who's a good complement to the things that he needs help with on the court? Simmons. <laughs> and, yeah. like, and it's, it all comes back to Ben Simmons. Time and again, but yeah, I mean the biggest the biggest question mark around Simmons, assuming health, assuming back to you know where he'd been and everything, is the fit with Claxton, and if like if that can work on the offensive end mm. with the current team, I think defensively I'm not worried about it at all. That's uh that's fine. Like those guys are those guys will be chaos engines, but like the I don't know, like how do you see it working offensively? Because I. It kind of depends how you slice the numbers here. Like, there are times where you can say it can work, and there's some times that you can say it doesn't work at all. You know, <laughs> like so. I'm curious what your <laughs> right. opinion, what your opinion is on that, on that, uh, on that pairing on the offensive end with like with the rest of their sort of like in the context of the rest of the team now. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on again, like full health for Ben Simmons. And then, and then how are they running the offense? If Ben Simmons is running the offensive system as the point guard, then I think Nicholas Claxton playing in the space, playing down in the paint, you, you separate their functionality there. We understand that neither one of them is going to be a shirt shoot first kind of guy or shoot ever kind of guy. But if you have Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson and Spencer Dinwiddie on the floor with them for, you know, for the starting rotation, Again, could the spacing bog down a little bit? Yes. Will Biggs be able to sag away from Ben Simmons at the top of the key, right, and make life really difficult for Nicholas Claxton? Of course he could. What I find maybe kind of fascinating off of this is whether it's Spencer Dinwiddie, whether it's a little bit of Mikhail Bridges, whether it's Dennis Smith Jr. Like, when you think about other guys that could be on ball at times, then I just wonder about, we, we talked a lot about transition basketball for the Nets. We talked a lot about the way the Nets have been structured offensively. If you have a lot of off-ball movement for Nicholas Claxton and Ben Simmons, I think you can still create a pretty high level of chaos. There's always going to be an opportunity for Claxton or Ben Simmons to potentially be attacking an undersized, weaker defensive matchup. Now, that means them being downhill and going at the basket. If Ben Simmons doesn't feel like he has that in his game still, then it's a problem. If Nicholas Claxton continues to develop that little baby turnaround hook that we started to see at the back end of the season, I, th there are these worlds. I just think it's a question of functionality and Ben Simmons doing the thing. This is actually really simple. Will Ben Simmons do what he didn't do last year when we saw him? Get the ball, have the space in front of him at the top of the key, and drive like a bull in a china shop at the basket. Ben Simmons yeah. does that. Everything is okay. It all opens up. Defenses have to start going out on him on the perimeter. The spacing kind of corrects itself. If he doesn't do that, then it could be a mess. I got there. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's kind of, I, I think that they would have, it, it, there's, it's, it's a problematic pairing. I don't think there's any way around it. Like it just, again, from the eye test standpoint, if you have two complete non-spacers on your team, it gets hard. Like that's just the NBA math, right? This NBA math has been proven out. You can get away with it. You know, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney. Like if you have other elite shooters at all times, Curry and Clay, right there. So there are versions of this where it works. Um, so there's not to say it, it can't, but it's hard. It just, it, it's all hard, right? Like the, the court's only so big. And if you two guys can't shoot the ball, then, you know, um, like then that's going to be the issue. Uh, just a couple quick numbers here. None of these sample sizes mm -hmm. are like probably enough to warrant huge um, 
deductions from them, but the or deduce huge things from them, but they're probably worth mentioning. So if you look at Simmons and Claxton last year paired together, just the straight up pairing them overall is good. But what you have to kind of do, I think personally, is take out Sim- take out Kyrie and KD because those guys are so otherworldly yeah. at scoring that they can actually erase a lot. And they're like a la Curry and Clay and all these other guys. Mm-hmm. Like those guys can erase the problems that you have otherwise because they're so amazing at the, at this specific thing, scoring at three levels and all this other stuff. So I actually think that like just the Simmons and Claxton pairing from last year on its alone is probably not correct because mm. it so but so when you take those two other guys out because like every pairing of one of Katie Kyrie plus Simmons and Claxton was like amazing, <laughs> right? It was like <laughs> it was like oh okay these guys are perfect compliments. Um, they can do all the scoring and these other guys can clean it up. Like the numbers are are really really pretty good. When it's just Simmons and Claxton, it was only 67 minutes without Katie and Kyrie, and it's horrible. It's horrible. It's like it's the minus 24 net rating or something like that. It's really bad. Like, and, and bad in the way that you would expect. They couldn't score at all, and then the defense was bad. Now, maybe you think, okay, the defense gets better, but the part where they can't score is like your biggest concern, and sometimes not scoring leads to problems on defense because you can't get your defense set, right? Like you get cross-matched, you get out in transition, all these problems that can kind of arise right, right. from not scoring. So I think that'd be my biggest concern. It doesn't pass. It's, it's hard for it to have totally pass the eye test. And there are some you know, low level numbers that back it up, but it's worth running out there for a, a large sample size to try to make it work. Cause it's your probably best chance of actually being good. Yeah. And there's some opportunity where, you know, again, as it currently constituted, we just talked about yesterday, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal trade opportunities and possibilities, at least as currently constituted. We talk about the defense, right? And what Ben Simmons would add to that end of the floor. Dorian Finney-Smith, hey, listen, he's a big guy. He can hang out on the wing if he can knock down those shots, right? There's going to be these things you have to watch where Lonnie Walker coming off the bench, where is his consistency from outside as well? A little more on-ball creation on this roster after the post deadline, not not including Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving iterations of this. So it is going to be fun to kind of watch it. Where do you let's just close out on this. What is the end result of of this? Is this Ben Simmons starts as the point forward for the Brooklyn Nets this year? And we do kind of see some slow and steady progress back to the guy that he was. We do see this team kind of develop strongly because I think the thing we'll, we'll touch on at some point is. How does this impact what the Nets can accomplish? 37 and a half over under win total by FanDuel, right? Putting them in a top seven, eight-ish kind of category in the Eastern Conference. A healthy Ben Simmons, yeah. A healthy, functional Ben Simmons in this offense, whether the fits are perfect or not. Yeah, it's going to change my opinion about how far this team can go and at least how consistent and successful they can be. Yeah, it, it, it can't do anything other than it, right? Like, it, it just, it's it's the, the reason we've joked about it up until this point that all roads lead back to Ben Simmons with this team. It's just the way it is. Yeah. We kind of know what we're getting from nearly everybody else. And he's a really expensive question mark. And whenever you have a really expensive question mark that sort of fits all the other pieces, even for his weaknesses, fits the rest of the pieces the Nets have, it's a, it's a, it's a nominal game changer. Um, if it happens, yeah. I, I no one's rooting for it harder than these guys, right? Like for like we poked 100%. fun at the situation and we laughed about it at times. It's all it's always pointed back to like you'd be insane if you were rooting against them. Like you'd be insane. Yeah, well, that, be, that was, it, it makes no sense. So I, we're all here. May it was I, I I decided right that was my commitment. I pinned this tweet. It was like I, I, the best path forward is to root for Ben Simmons for your own sanity for the team for everything. Like you want this guy to do well obviously and we'll we'll dissect some rotation stuff continue to do this all season because by the way I, darius Baisley is actually not a non-factor 
in all of this when you talk about guys coming off the bench and having some athleticism and maybe just a little bit of that shooting touch that some of the other bigs lack. All right, we're going to get out of here. Much appreciated, everyone, that continues to help those YouTube numbers climb. We're going to reach 6,000 subscribers with no problem here in the next week or two. Uh, so now then we're going to hit that, and it's on to 7,000 because you know your boys just want to keep going bigger and better. Make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Nets over on YouTube. Free and available wherever you listen to podcasts as well. If you're not happy without it, you'll never be happy with it. That's John Candy from Life. Oh, one of the all-time great poets, R.I.P. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Basketball, basketball.